Thank you. I am 70 years old. Not young by any measure, not even middle-aged, old, senior, <laughs> and elder. Now, some of you may know that I wince at the distinction between adult and elder, at being somehow set apart, no longer adult. Uh, but somebody's still to be honored because somehow, when I wasn't looking or was busy with other things, the mantle of wisdom descended over me. <laughs> Missing, I think, well, reducing me first to one thing, wise old elder, and missing, I think, my love of really stupid games, uh, my tendency towards errors of fact, my gift for storytelling, my awkwardness on the dance floor, the, the list can go on and on. And once, I was all of that and more. Now, elder. But in my mind, I'm still growing, still growing up, still planting seeds, trying new things, still reaching for the light, because that's what humans do. We do it as infants and children and teenagers. We do it at 21, 71, 91. When I learned the theme this summer was seeds, I immediately thought of a bean seed I planted nearly 40 years ago. I was a newly minted Montessori teacher with a class of three, four, and five-year-olds, and I had set up what I thought was a great experiment to demonstrate that plants need good soil, good light, and water to thrive. So I had the children plant four bean seeds, and three of them were deprived of one thing. One seed had no soil, one seed had no water, and one we put in the closet, it had no light. And the fourth, of course, had all three things that were needed, and we put that seed on the windowsill. I thought I knew what would happen. <laughs> Two of the beans would sprout, the one we put in the dark closet to deprive it of light, but we were still watering it, and the one with everything on the windowsill. They both would sprout, but only the one with the light would thrive. So after a couple of weeks, we checked on them. The bean seed in the cup with no soil but plenty of water was bloated and disgusting. The one uh, with good soil and plenty of light but no water failed to sprout. And as expected, the, sprout on the, the one on the windowsill with good soil, good water, good light sprouted. It looked great. It was this tiny little dark green thing, a sprout. And the seed in the dark closet also sprouted. It was long, pale, pale, a string of a sprout, white with effort, desperately straining towards the light. To my chagrin, the children thought this was the successful one. <laughs> pale and stringy, sure, but look how big it is, how long. Several times bigger than the other sprout. Well, I don't remember how I turned them towards what I felt was the better choice, give it everything. But, but I learned and remembered how every living thing strains towards the light, yearns for light, knows what it needs, and goes after it. As I said, that was 40 years ago, but it has taken me this long to realize not only does every living thing bend towards the light, but that yearning for light, for the unseen light, 
for the light beyond the closet of our lives is what religion is, is what faith is. And at 70, I'm not finished. I'm still straining for the light. At about the time of the bean fiasco, my daughter Anna gave me another lesson about the universality of that straining. She was three. We didn't go to church because I couldn't believe what I had learned in the church of my childhood. I knew then about the leap of faith, which I interpreted, or I guess misinterpreted, as meaning risking everything and just believing, leaping over that chasm of doubt and reason. And I wanted to make the leap, but I just couldn't, because I thought faith and belief were the same thing. More about that in a minute. So back to Anna. She really, really wanted to go to church, begged to go. So one Sunday, I agreed to take her and her brother, who was two, to the big Presbyterian church a few blocks from our house. As we walked to the car, Anna stopped and said, you're wearing that? <laughs> the only picture she'd ever seen of me in church was in our wedding album with me <laughs> in my wedding dress. And I suppose that white garment, that vestment, was part of the mystery for her. So we got to church early, me inappropriately dressed, very early, because I was shy and nervous. Uh, we, were, we were welcomed, but I knew immediately we didn't belong. We sat in the very back row. And so the sanctuary was nearly empty at first and very quiet. Then the organist began and thundering music filled the room. Anna grabbed my arm, is that God? That was her hunger for the mystery, for the holy, for the sacred. It was her very human yearning for the light. Three years old, and she was straining for it. But I couldn't give her the God of my childhood with or without the vestment of my wedding dress. But she still yearned for the experience of the mystery, the light, the sacred, the holy, because she was human and we weren't offering it but she knew enough to ask for it because it's what humans do and want. And that yearning is about faith, not belief, not creed, but mystery, the holy. As our minister emeritus John Cummins asked in the, reason, in the reading, do you still believe in Santa Claus as you did as a child? Of course you don't. You have rejected the old, the childish faith in a literal Santa to make room for a larger, albeit more abstract faith in the rightness, joy, and goodness of giving. You have become an atheist with regard to Santa Claus, and yet you now possess a larger faith than ever before. 19th century Unitarian minister William Ellery Channing said, faith is love taking the form of aspiration. Faith is love taking the form of aspiration, straining for the light, verb, not noun, action, not creed. Scholar Sharon Parks writes, faith is not simply a set of beliefs that religious people have. It is something that all human beings do. And she also speaks of the ongoing task of finding a more adequate faith as we grow more fully into ourselves. We spend our whole lives on this task. I have spent my whole life on this task and I'm still at it. 
It's about making meaning. Many of us find meaning in forms we don't describe in religious terms, and so we don't realize that that vestment of meaning is our faith, the faith that we hold and are held by. Faith is where we place our heart. Later in that same sermon, Faith of an Atheist, the Reverend Cummins said, we all become atheists with regard to lesser beliefs as we outgrow and replace them with larger ones. It's a terrible mistake to categorize others who happen to be at a different place in their religious development than our own. To avow anything at any time of life is to disavow others. Real religion is a living, growing thing. On the living tree of life, small branches of conviction shoot out, often in unproductive directions, die and are trimmed away, while others, starting out as small notions, become great supporting branches. But always, the tree itself is reaching towards the light." End of quote. These religious words, faith, God, prayer, even church and religion, can be roadblocks for us, can trigger a negative response, especially if we have painful connections or connotations with early religious or church experiences. I have come, though, to accept all of these words, sometimes making mental substitutions when I need to. For example, I can't really think of myself as praying, because for me that still carries my childhood connotation of praying to somebody, that white bearded Godfellow in the heavens above. So the word prayer doesn't work well for me. But there are other words that slide easily into, the pla into place. Meditation, stillness, calm, breathe in, breathe out. I don't believe in the God of my childhood, who I thought might intervene directly in my life if I just asked him right, if I said the prayer right. But I do have faith in the light, the holy, the sacred, the mystery, the connection between me and life I can't see or define. It's one of the reasons I show up here every Sunday morning. So perhaps we have to substitute words for the meaning to speak to us to help us come out of the religious closet, so to speak. I learned, I learned our family's favorite table blessing from a friend who is Catholic. Her family begins with the words, Creator God give us a heart for simple things. I have to shift it to spirit of life, but the rest resonates with me. Give us a heart for simple things, love and laughter, bread and wine, pails and dreams. Fill our lives with green and growing hope. Make us a people of justice whose song is Alleluia and whose name breathes love. Amen, she says. So be it, I say. There is faith and then there is belief. Belief makes me change those words from creator God to spirit of life. Faith, that turning towards the light, embraces the rest of the blessing. We are reaching for the same thing. A few years ago, I asked our senior minister, uh, the Reverend Justin Schroeder, why he signs his emails in faith. I just didn't get it. He gave me an eloquent response and then that week wrote in his blog, for me, in faith is not a statement of belief as much as a statement of practice. It is in faith that I practice trusting my own deepest experiences, 
continuing to lean into love and life, continuing to awaken and respond to the presence of the holy. It is in faith that I practice leaning into community, vulnerability, and greater authenticity, step by step. In faith, I learn to lean into and trust these things and invite others to lean with me." End of quote. People have leaned into love and life for centuries. The first task when you walk the ancient pilgrimage to Santiago is to get a credential, a credenziale, which has to be stamped every day as you walk, and it requires you to say why you are walking. When Chuck and I did it, it was a Catholic priest who asked us these questions. He said, are you walking for religious reasons, spiritual, cultural, or physical, sportif? We answered, he wrote it down. All answers were accepted and honored. There's no single right answer, but it is the right question. Why are you doing this? What path are you on and why? Where are you finding meaning? Where are you placing your trust, your faith? The reasons behind a pilgrimage, any pilgrimage, any journey, vary just as the outward manifestations of faith have many forms. But the leaning in, the straining for the light is the same, that impulse towards finding meaning. Sharon Park says, faithing is putting one's heart upon that which one trusts as true the ongoing composing of the heart's true resting place. Aren't we all asking the question my daughter asked 40 years ago? Is that God? Is that the light? Is that where I place my heart? Is that what I trust? How I make meaning? A few years later, when she was six, Anna asked if we were Jewish. We must have made it pretty clear that we weren't Christians. I remember responding to a lot of questions in those days with the words, well, some people believe, but we... She was asking what path were we on, and we didn't have an answer. So one Sunday, we decided to find out. <laughs> Maybe we were Quakers. So Chuck and I and the two children drove over to the Friends Meeting House at 44th and York. It was just before 11 o'clock, and you couldn't Google this in these days. We didn't know the service started at 10.30. We couldn't possibly walk in half an hour late. So we headed home, embarrassed in front of our children, unable again to answer the most basic question. Who are we? What path are we on? Where do we place our heart? What do we have faith in? So we were driving down 50th, this was 1975, and we paused at 50th and Girard. There was First Universalist Church. The service hadn't started yet, so we parked our car and went in. <laughs> you remember that desperate bean plant? <laughs> we were, we were, that's where we were. So the Reverend Cummins' sermon that morning was, why I am a Unitarian Universalist. He said, it is only a love that is all-inclusive, large in its worldview, without reservation or defense, 
that will not calculate or bargain, that will be healing enough and universal enough to meet the need of the whole human family. It's not the way of Christ or nothing, followed by life everlasting, but the way of life itself. It is to be concerned both for those who do harm and for those who suffer it. End of quote. I knew we belonged. So, I'm 70 years old and still reaching towards the light, still growing up in this faith that we stumbled on nearly 40 years ago. And sometimes I feel like that pale, stringy bean plant straining for all I'm worth and not finding enough. Then I come into this space with light pouring through the windows, surrounded by other seekers of all ages, yearning for light and connection. All of us at different places on the stringy beanstalk, straining for the light of understanding, of connection, of love. And I know that everybody in the pews, on the sidewalk out front, down the street, across the nation, around the world, is somewhere on that stalk, at different places, but it's a sturdy, powerful plant with room for everybody. Christians, Muslims, Buddhists, Jews, atheists, idolaters, churched, the unchurched, all of us straining towards the light, different in our understanding, in our beliefs, but straining the practice of faith. Faith is love taking the form of aspiration. And I feel this is true because a child showed me more than 40 years ago when the organ sounded, is that God? I should have said, yes, Anna, that is God. That is the holy, that is love. That is the source of light we are yearning for. The light we are leaning into, the spirit of life. You are straining towards the holy. I am bending towards the light. We all are, in our own way, in faith. <laughs>